coffee and a little bit of conversation. Welcome to the Conversations and Coffee podcast. For those of you who are returning listeners, I say thank you once again for tuning into this podcast. And for those of you who are new listeners, I also say thank you for choosing to come along. Unfortunately, we haven't produced nearly as much content as we'd like to, and that's based on just the sheer grip this pandemic has had on all of us. Whether it's been our families been affected, our social life, our work life, having to work from home, some of us, it's safe to say the pandemic has had some sort of an effect on every single one of us. I hope everybody out there is safe and well, and doing their bit to stop this virus from spreading around this country. The podcast is back, and no better guest to have to open it back up than Connor O'Keefe, a 27-year-old ultramarathon runner from Glenmere, Cork. He became the youngest ever winner of an enduro 200-mile ultra run in England. He's the first person in three years to finish under the 60-hour time limit, with a total of 59 hours and 45 minutes. But let's get into it. Thanks for tuning in. Hello everyone, welcome to Conversations and Coffee podcast. This is the first podcast episode I've made back in the studio. Um, although we are still undergoing a global pandemic and we're all living through it, um, Connor has come in. We're both um, negative we don't have coronavirus that we know of anyway, unless we contracted in the last I seven, eight I went into a minutes. restaurant last night and they pointed the gun at my head and <laughs> I was standing there shaking in my boots, but... I- I was actually all right, so it's all good. We're safe. Yeah, I, I don't think I have it anywhere. And I, I know I was tested in, in the work I in the line of work I'm in. I was tested and I'm fine. But anyway, we came together. We're going to have a chat. We're going to let people get to know you, your story, how you got to where you are now. Um, I'm going to introduce you as an ultra runner because that's what you're known mostly for. But a lot of people mightn't actually know that you are a mental well-being advocate um, with plans to go back and do a master's in psychology mm. and introduce that into a more... Uh, outdoor vibe outdoor atmosphere which i think is hugely important like you know before we even get into it like you've got so much people coming in out of clinics every single day seeing psychologists and they're walking away with scripts um and they're medicated up up to their eyeballs absolutely and they're just numbing this they're masking this problem yeah but then you've got people that like you know suffered with depression and now they're out doing 10k runs a day and they're out walking in nature they're walking their dog they're you know, swimming in the sea, doing all these things. So before we get into all that, I just wanted to really let people know that, you know, you came from a place where you probably weren't as happy as you are now. And that could be anybody. That's Everybody has the opportunity. Like they might feel they've got this weight on their shoulders or they're cuffed and and chained down. Really and truly, you can just do whatever you like and go out and and make the world your oyster. For sure. Um, So let's go back to how it began and how Conor O'Keefe kind of became himself to find himself if that makes sense yeah um how far do you want to go back like as far as you like really yeah. just ju- just to kind of i wouldn't go back to your teenage days or anything like yeah, that i'm yeah, not yeah. not that i'm not interested in that i just kind of i'm more interested to when you developed to kind of want to change if that makes sense like mm. so give us a little bit of a brief about who you are maybe a couple of years ago and then who you are now and what the plans are yeah i suppose like I was actually uh, hyper-functioning, hyper-productive, kind of late teen, early twenty-year-old guy. Like you know what I mean? I was, I was in college. I was studying law. Uh, I was incredibly involved in Thai boxing. I was fighting constantly. I was, you know, acing my exams, doing all of these things. I had all these boxes ticked. You know what I mean? I had everything sorted. Like you know, my whole day was just wake up at six o'clock, train, head to college, hit my lectures up, and then 
go and study for two or three hours then train again and that was kind of like what I was doing all the time and although it gave me great structure to my day it was very very much kind of um, a roller coaster if I didn't have those things to focus on I'd fall off completely you know what I mean so it was really like the external world was giving me my happiness and my kind of day-to-day operations like you know and then when I kind of hit my kind of mid-twenties Thai boxing fell off I, I couldn't Thai box anymore I, I got I got diagnosed with a benign cyst in my brain which basically is like perfectly grand but they just say don't get punched in the head anymore really like you know it's kind of like uh, you'll be perfectly fine with it you know it's not going to affect me too much I should have a scan every like 10 years just to make sure it's not mm-hmm. you know things aren't uh, aren't progressing or whatever but a um, couple of more hits to the head could be dangerous basically yeah don't take it's it's risky business already like you know hopping in the ring and getting your head punched off is is risky business with or without it like you know so i basically decided to give that a skip but um after that man um and after i kind of left college and went out to work i just became so work orientated so money orientated man so materialistic and i hadn't really been introduced to alcohol as a young fella because I was so uh, one-track mind about sports and about college and everything that I barely drank. I didn't do the normal things that college students do, like, you know, go out on their college nights out, college balls, rag week, freshers week, six-year holidays, didn't do any of that stuff because I was just so focused on my sport and so focused on those kind of things that just kind of fell to the side, you know. So then when I finished high boxing, I was about 23, 24, really I kind of stopped. 23 I suppose I hit it hard like you know what I mean it was like a baptism of fire like and I was just completely and utterly engulfed in the other side of life the side of life that I, I was saying here after missing out on basically all the college like I have a lot of ground to make up like you know and I just hit that really hard and that just amplified this already kind of up and down kind of way of life that I had I was on a real big eye if I had like a fight coming up or if I had things to focus on and then if I didn't I would just go down and I just feel so like I'd have I feel like I plateaued my life was like meaningless had no direction and that was amplified even more when I um when I when I started drinking and like people call it manic depression really it's like you know you're you can be in like boats of depression then boats of like hyper happiness and that was kind of what i was in for years like times where i was literally like contemplating taking my own life to other times where i was like euphoric you know and it would just be on such high and low scale lived that life then for about three or four years and the start of 2019 so not even that long ago um i basically just said I need to change up my life, like, or I might not see January 1st, 2020, you know, and, and that was kind of a realistic part of it. So I just basically um, overhauled my life, gave up the drink, started running like a mad thing, and, um, yeah, that's the that's the basics of, mm-hmm. of, you know, how this came to be, really, like. Yeah, but, like, you know, you kind of probably felt like you were deprived of a lot of your younger years, like those lads' holidays and stuff like that, and... Like, I, I don't drink, so I don't really, like... And even though I didn't drink as much younger than some of my friends or anything like that, or people I would have been around, I still don't really have that want to drink because it just never really interested me the same mm. with, like, with drugs or anything. They weren't really my kind of interests, but what I kind of would have got a kick out of would have been, like, boring to other people. Do you know what I mean? I, I kind of had interests other people didn't. So I can see why in your later years you were, like, 
right, this is what I've been missing out on, and then just binges on it because mm. it's so much kind of catching up to do. Absolutely. But I'm I'm interested to know kind of like you went from like that, so like you're obviously very unfit, and you're obviously I wouldn't say uh, unfit because obviously you were toy boxing and that, so you would have been like you would have had some decent level mm. of fitness about you, yeah. you're probably in a good physique and that. But how did you go from like drinking and smoking all the time, whatever, to like becoming an ultra runner because you, you beat the record like by i know in on your website it's like only a couple of seconds and stuff like that but you beat it like yeah, I mean, yeah it doesn't yeah. matter if it's one second or a millisecond yeah like, to um, come under that that man, time pressure do you know what this is going to bring me back even further right because i've always had this thing in my brain by that i just know that i can just take stuff that that a lot of people probably couldn't take like you know even throughout my whole life like when i was 17 I was a super fat kid, like, super fat young fella. That's like, hard to know? believe, man. Yeah, man, it's so strange. Because I'm so lanky, you know, it's like, you know, everyone's like, yeah, True, you were obviously a lot smaller, life. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, so, like, I was about a foot shorter and about two foot wider. And I was that, I was that like, that fat, awkward kid. And I was like, you know, I, I just didn't want to be that, the fat guy anymore, basically. So, crash diets, hitting the gym, doing all this stuff that fucking kids do, you know what I mean? When they're like, you know, I want to do, you know, change up these things. So I lost a lot of weight, and I got really actually into getting fitter, like, you know what I mean? Because I'd never been fit before, you know? And then when I was 17, I decided I'm going to climb Kilimanjaro with a charity. So I went off, and I climbed, I went to climb Kilimanjaro, flew over to Africa, 17 years old. By what an experience, like, literally like a different planet, you know what I mean? And this is 2008. It's, it's, it was actually, it was a lot less westernized even than now. And landed in Nairobi in kenya just hustle and boston it's like a big huge it was like the new york of of kenya like you know what i mean and everybody is just like moving at super high pace it's 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 madness and there's like things that i've never seen before happening around the place with like animals everywhere it's like walking down o'connell street and there's just oxes like you know pulling carts down the place it was an unbelievable experience but what it really showed me you now that i've time to look back was when i was on the mountain it's a tough enough old claim, like, you know what I mean? It's nearly 6,000 metres high, like, it's it's pretty, it's a pretty tough old, old uh, slog. So, I got up to the last climb, and you make your, you make your ascent late at night. You start at around 3 or 4 in the morning, so that, basically, you don't get, like, scorched alive by the sun when you're up there, you know? So, started at, like, 3 4 in the morning, and it was like minus 12 it was super cold i'd never felt cold like that before like you know and we started off i'd already been really really sick i'd, I'd always i had terrible headaches and uh before the climb even started got to the climb uh it was about 300 meters from the top man sat down on a rock just couldn't actually couldn't put one foot in front of the other anymore hands had frozen to my walking poles couldn't even move my fingers and i was just in a really bad way and our tour guide was a ex-Royal Marines commando named Graham. He actually had a glass eye. And I was like, this is the this dude is intense. Like, you know what I mean? Super friendly guy. But, like, you're 17. This guy's got a glass eye. and he's Yeah, you, you don't got a glass commando. eye for no reason. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he basically, um, without saying it, he had, he, had, he had lost an action or whatever the case may be. But I, he, he, he came down face to face with me, like, and he just said, Connor if you don't start putting one foot in front of the other, I'm taking you off the mountain, your claim is done, you're not going to reach the top. And right then and there, I just picked up my sticks, man, and I just put one foot in front of the other for the next couple of hours and got to the top. 
what was the feeling like getting to the top oh, i know people man. can talk about highs and stuff but it was like the feeling it was like every single ailment and every single thing that was bothering me at that time just flushed it was out like, of you it was like a rain shower it hit me and just washed it off my body man it was like euphoria sure, I, just, I burst into tears man i burst into tears i couldn't there was no way that i had any barriers left to that it was one of the most pure feelings i've ever had in my life man you know and and I remember just like really wanting to get down off the mountain so that I could get reception and tell my folks, you know, mm-hmm. I'm after, especially my dad. Like my dad was a soldier for 39 years and like I always wanted to impress, impress him as a young fella, like, you know, and something like that is, just, you know, it's impressive as a, as a 17-year-old to go off and climb that mountain. And I just remember saying, I can't wait to tell my dad, blah, blah, blah. But on the contrast side of that, the first time that I really felt like in a depressed state and a state where I just felt like that my life was meaningless was after I got back from Killy. Because I went from this unbelievable adventure and this huge achievement back to you have to prep for your leaving cert as 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 it's getting. I was just like, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do this. Like, you know, I don't even know if I want to go into classrooms. Because I want to, I want to see the world. You know what I mean? And I had this kind of like internal fight with myself, and it was a fight to kind of see what I was made of as well. Because I had gotten a taste for it, and that's what actually led me to Thai boxing that's what actually led me to open up the doors of the Thai boxing gym the first time was about six months after I got back from Kilimanjaro so that really interesting yeah it was it was it was very very kind of strange how it kind of led me into that way of life and but I knew then that when I started Thai boxing Thai boxing is an incredibly tough sport really tough really brutal the training is very very tough and you have to be very very um disciplined if you want to fight if you want to actually fight and and have bouts and the fighting itself is vicious so you've got elbows in the face you've got people kneeing in the face i've caught both you know like you've it's it's an incredibly physically brutal sport that teaches you every single time that you have to face that you know 300 meters from the top of kilimanjaro feeling you get that thing that thing that says you're not going to quit like you know what i mean you're not going to quit you're going to keep moving forward and that's when i man when i decided to even sign up for that 200 mile race i was bloated from drink and i had my face my cheeks were red from drink and i mean it like i was in horrific shape i gained about a stone and a half i was in terrible shape and i decided that you know what i'm gonna go off now i had ran 100 miles in the august before and that's a different story. That was just a, it was just a completely off the whim. We had seven weeks training. We had no business being there. Like we showed up to the race and we laughed out of the place. Like because we'd done seven weeks training and we were gonna uh, run a hundred miles. Run a hundred miles. Like, you so know now I mean? this is double. So this was double in a worse state. In a worse state, for sure. Um, and I just said to myself, like you know, okay. I thought back to the hundred mile race, and I had an I had a three hundred meters from the top of Killy moment, and that too. Mm. At mile fifty five, I was like, I'm actually done. Like I've forty five miles left, and I'm finished. My body is done, but I I actually managed to finish the race in twenty eight hours. So I had seven weeks training. We finished the hundred miles, like you know, and no one expected us to finish that race. Now we were like second and third last, but we what what that mile 55 taught me when i started training for the 200 mile race was you probably won't be able to train a body 
to run 200 miles but you probably be able to train your mind to run 200 miles and that's what I did man and that's I, I started to put my body and my mind in those uncomfortable situations and make it fight itself are you literally at war with yourself you're just around with yourself with the whole thing or what's going on oh no I'm I'm actually super at peace with myself in terms of like that that's this is the kind of thing that really happened about it was I'm more of like a mental well-being advocate first and an ultra runner definitely second and this is why is because when I started training for it man when I started training for the 200 mile race I was like Jesus Christ but how are we gonna do this like you know how how do you get yourself prepared for this mad event like you know and I told everybody as I usually do I was like oh, I'm going to do 200 miles and everyone was kind of like oh this is another one of Connor's like you know crazy things to do like the 100 miles and what I decided to do was okay I'm going to get up because I was working 6 days a week at the time and I was like what I'm going to do is I'm going to get up at 4.30 in the morning every morning and I'm going to run so I ran like minimum usually of a half marathon nearly every morning of during the week like 4 or 5 days in a row maybe but what happened during that time was what really has kept me on the journey that it wasn't like the 100 miles or like the marathon i had ran it kept me on track do you know like you can you can get yourself together for this big event do you know what i mean and loads of people do it it's like oh yeah i'm gonna run a marathon they run a marathon they never lace up a pair of runners again not because the marathon was too hard it was just that oh that's it no that's done you know that's another box well, that's ticked, and that's, yeah you know what i mean and I didn't want that to be the case, man. I really didn't want that to be the fucking case. You wanted this to open doors where, like, maybe oh, two a year, three a year. I wanted, I, I, uh, but I, I wanted to just have happiness by mm, my life, mm-hmm. regardless of races or anything. Like, uh, you know, I, all I wanted was just longevity in this feeling of being here, not being up here, not being down here, just but being here. Is that sustainable, really? Oh man, I've sustained it since, since. And like, how, how did you manage to do that? By escaping the nine to five, or was it? It was. It was. How quite can a few you maintain things. that? What I decided at that time, I remember literally the morning that it actually happened. Um, it was very early February. It was like the second of February. Incredibly cold morning, four thirty in the morning. I was heading out for a thirty kilometer run, and like this, I just just for anyone that's listening, right? You might not you might not be able to run 30 kilometers or run half marathons every day or whatever, but what it is is the message behind this. It's not so much the distances or whatever the case may be, is I was heading out and what I, what I usually used to run in those early mornings with headphones and listen to music, like, you know, because, you know, there's fucking nobody on the road in February at 4.30 in the morning running around place. So you just feel like you're on your own. So mm. I just threw my headphones in. At that time, I wasn't comfortable being on my own. So... I throw my headphones in 300 meters into this run in February, man. Beep boop. Bluetooth headphones die in my ears. I've got 30 kilometers here now. No music. It's pitch black. There's one or two cars passing me every 15, 20 minutes. And I'm running the road. And I can only hear three things. I can hear my footsteps. I can hear my breath. And then I can hear my thoughts. And I can hear my thoughts running in my head. And all of the things that all of those times and everybody has these times I, I won't even go through all of the the ins and outs of it but you know those times where a thought crops into your head and you get that that fight or flight your, your heart rate raises you get a bit hot you think oh jesus remember that or gee oh fuck i remember when i said that or i did this or you know all of the, you know those kind of mm-hmm. moments i had so many of those man because i was so anxious about them and 
I was thinking about them, but I wasn't getting the I wasn't getting that that pulse rays. I wasn't getting that heat rays. I was like thinking about it, and I was like, yeah, Jesus, that was that was bad, wasn't it? That was a bad time, mm-hmm. and you know, and I was like just thinking about it in such a. It is what it is. It is what it is, man. And I just literally sat down with my demons by going to Costa Coffee, two Americanos there, one for the demons and one for me, and just fucking sit down by and just hash it out with myself. So what you said, going to war with myself every day, it was the opposite, man. I was just becoming my best friend. It's become my own best friend. I love that. And it really fucking, it really just, what it, what it did was it just allowed me to talk to myself. And when I started being able to talk to myself, I knew then that... I could, I could, I could take this on. I was capable of mm. it. Like, I enjoy my own company too, and I relate to that so much. Um, I think when a lot of people don't like to spend time alone by themselves, is because they've got so much insecurities and they've mm. got so much uh, things that they're probably it's fear. Like you know, it's like I'm going into town to pick up something, so I have to go in with someone. Mm. Like I need to have a friend with me to go in and pick up something in town. So you text three guys or whatever. You text three of your pals and then they come back. Look, sorry, you can't. Or I'm off with the missus. Uh, working uh, on Saturday, can't. So I won't go. So then that's just that out the window. Mm. Or it's like, right, I'm going to the gym at four o'clock after work. Text four or five of my, my friends. No, I can't make it. Sorry, da-da-da. Working late. Right, I won't go. So like all those opportunities that could have happened and all those you know, events that you could have went to or different things that you, you could have attended f- to better yourself didn't happen because mm. somebody else wasn't there to Absolutely, assist yeah. you so with me now like i find like i could sit with myself in a room alone for a, for a whole day mm. and it'd be fine everything would be grand yeah but like a couple of years ago i couldn't have done that absolutely you know, I'd be banging my head off the wall an, an hour later like you know mm. there's only so much call of duty you can play there's only so much videos you can watch on youtube there's only so much music you can listen to and then you're like right i'm bored yeah. shitless here i'm gonna start eating rings around myself then you you feel like crap and you have to get out of the room anyway yeah, so yeah, what yeah. i'm trying to say is spending time with yourself alone a lot of people do it every day they isolate themselves they're you know depressed they're suffering with anxiety they've got all sorts of different things um ocd whatever it may be and they're like a prisoner in their own head and they're trapped in this bedroom whatever and and they feel comfortable in that bedroom there because mm. they don't want to be with anybody else yeah but like actually going outside and just experiencing the outdoors and you know taking up a new hobby or you know just that's man they're that's huge. scary for people that are in the situation i know man it's know so much easier said than done absolutely but you so know it's like easier. you're talking about people that don't want to open up the blinds yeah man you're right you know, like that's that's where it, it can get to, and where it ha- has been for me. You know, it's like you you have to try and get somebody from that to Jesus. You should you know start playing piano. Do you know, you're just like you doesn't, know not in a joking process. way, but it's just it's 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 like four hundred and seven leaps. And most people's um, uh, way of of dealing with people that are in those situations is to give advice. And look, you know, we're only humans. We can go, we we, we can, we, we go about and uh, try and help and fix things and stuff like that. Um, But what I would say to anybody that's in that situation is the actual, the control of it is actually within you. Mm-hmm. Um, It's as soon as people actually realize that, that um, the control of your thoughts and your actions are up to you. Mm-hmm. The world is random. The world is random as fuck. You will never be able to control what the world is going to do or what the world is going to throw at you. And the sooner you realize that, 
the freer and more comfortable you will be with life just happening. And what you can control is how you react to the world and how you think about the world and how you act throughout your day to day. Those are the things that you can control. And sometimes you won't. Sometimes it will just, certain things will happen or certain things will be said and done. And then it's how you control what happens after that. Hmm. It's how you control the reaction to that thing. It's acknowledging that you have no control of the situation, whether it's somebody else's behavior or whether it's a circumstance that happens in your life. You have no control over that. But like yeah. then sometimes, oh, you react a certain way and it's done, right? So you've, you've reacted and you regret it and there's consequences to mm. the way you reacted. But then there's the after effect of that. So then how do I react to my reaction? What I find as well then is it's not necessarily out on the run and having these thoughts and these conversations with yourself and all those things are coming out and, and then talking to somebody, a family member or a friend about all the problems that you're f- facing or experiencing or like a podcast mm. type thing. Just talking about it, whether it's internally to yourself or whether it's to somebody else, I always I always view it, and I don't know, it, it's a mad probably, it's a mad kind of uh, analogy to it, Like, but I always view it like a door has just been opened and like you're letting like a draft Mm. you're letting like you're letting new air in old air yeah yes that's it exactly you just took the words from me out so that's exactly what I mean like you're letting old air out and the new air in so it's like the second you start speaking about that problem it's already being released so it's like it's like it's like this toxic gas that's trapped Mm. in like this tank and you've just like you just just took a tiny bit of the lid a tiny bit of the pressure out and it's coming out and then oh it stops and you don't feel comfortable but like the more you come back to that and it's not easy to jump straight in and just go mm. and, and let all the pressure really out good way of looking but at like it, you know it's like everything that that's negative that's happening in your life is toxic for you it's toxic mm. for your body it's toxic for your mind it's toxic for your behavior it's toxic for your relationships it's toxic for your life but if you actually release that toxicity out of your body everything else around you then the people around you the yeah. things around you the world the sky they've all been there yeah but you just view them slightly differently it's getting to that point you know getting it's to that a, point yeah, where, 407 where steps you like, know yeah right. you know you're like um getting to the point where you can actually say it. that's why i say it to people when most people try and give advice to people that are in bad situations like that just listen just mm. listen be the wall mm. and 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 don't don't just nod and whatever hear them like you know mm-hmm. hear what people have to say when they're saying these things to you because they've chosen you mm-hmm. whether you like it or not they've chosen you as their person you know what i mean and that's the start of the process mm-hmm. that's the start of making it you know what i mean making it a reality first mm-hmm. of all and then second of all going about fixing it you know what i mean because i i'm a big man about personal accountability and personal responsibility and it is it's our own personal responsibility to look after our mental health if we don't do things that are conducive to good mental health you can't expect to have it do you know what i mean mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't do things that allow you to have a healthy mind you won't it's just like a healthy body 100%. So if you're drinking smoking whatever the case and be and you're eating shite all the time you can't be going to you know try and uh, run marathons you can't be trying to you know go to these crossfit classes and try and keep up with everybody else because you're not gonna be able to you're feeding your body shit if you're yeah. feeding your mind shit and if you if you don't do the things that will be conducive to having a healthy mind state, it's just like a body, man. It's just like any other muscle that you have. Exactly. I, I find it's it's like exactly what you said is so true and I, I think about it a lot. It's like, you know, 
the whole saying of like you wouldn't put bad fuel into a Ferrari like you wouldn't put bad fuel into an expensive car because it mm. wouldn't run well well then why put bad food and, and toxic things into your body but like I have another way of looking at that and it is some people don't want to run the marathons. Some people don't want to play football or take up Thai boxing or go on jogs or walks. They don't want that, right? And that's just because they're in this comfort zone and they're in this... It's like the whole way I'm trying to really break this down is what is your normal? Mm. What's my normal? Yeah, so I yeah. get up in the morning, right? And I go and I iron my short and I put my slacks on and I have my shower and I go off to work, right? Mm. I do the same have your shower in your short and slacks. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah, my yeah. normal. Do you know what I mean? That's my normal. <laughs> this guy showers in his shirt and slacks. That's the normality. Right. Boy, so I, mean, I did. I did say that a little bit backwards, but um, you get me drift, right? <laughs> but <laughs> and then what if I do? You know what I mean? Like yeah. so, what so if I, I mean, shower in my slacks and short I mean? and I arrive Windows wet? So down, what? Do you, do you know, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like heat not full whack. But what I'm trying to say is right. That's my normal. But another person's normal could be waking up and like smoking a joint, mm. or like having a drink, or like you know doing something that i would never even think about doing right yeah. but that's their normal right mm -hmm. like the first thing i think about when i wake up might be like right get ready for work or you know my girlfriend or, or get the dog minded and another person's might be to ring a drug dealer or it might be to sort of the next fix or head Absolutely. to the off license at 11 the minute yeah, it opens yeah. so right what i'm trying to say is what is your normal so everybody needs to ask themselves what is my normal is my normal getting up at 4.30, going for a run, coming home, preparing that porridge, banging it in the microwave, eating the ball while reading the newspaper and going off and having a great day. Mm. Or is my normal awake at 4.30, haven't slept yet, doing whatever it may be, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm awake, can't mm. sleep, while someone else is only waking up and going for a 30k run. Yeah. So if people ask themselves what their normal is and then assess that and mm. say, do I want this to be my normal anymore or do I want to create a new normal? Yeah, that's a good thought. That's I what like I always that. think of, you know? Yeah, I like that, man. And, I and think that's you good. think of, Connor, hmm? how many normals are there out there? There's millions. Millions. Billions. Bi yeah, literally billions. There's literally billions. Because like, like, that's the thing. One is, day something might be normal, the next day it mightn't be. Yeah, you're, you're, you're talking about individuals here. like, mm. you know, And that's the thing. It's like... Traits, you know, personalities. Pe people, people will listen to, to your podcast, listen to me or whatever the case may be. And... They might never run a mile in their lives, mm. but they could resonate with certain part of aspect that I've said. I love it. And that's that's the thing. It's that's like, huge, man. It's like, it doesn't have to be, It's that's that's how you break down barriers and how mm. you kind of go, it's kind of, it kind of uh, crosses into different paths. Mm. I'm always like, interested with that, like, you know what music, like, we yeah. could sit here and you could play a song and I'm like, nah. never, never heard this one before. Right, and you're like, oh man, this is my song. Like, this is the song when I'm just about to get to the last mile. This is the song I put on, and I'm feeling nothing from it. I'm like, don't yeah, really yeah, like yeah. it, right? Yeah. So that's that's yours, right? Mm. So you've got your genre. I've got my genre. You've got your taste. I've got my taste. Mm. But then you put on another song, and you're like, just listen to this, and just listen to the words, and then for some reason, we're both just listening, chilling, yeah. and then at the end of it, you're like, what do you think of that? And I'm like, did you take that from that? And you're like, see, it's like music is a way for people to connect and understand each other and Absolutely. resonate for sure but there's so many other ways people can resonate and Absolutely, connect yeah. you know it's not just it can be through music it can be through food it can be through and coffee it can be through anything people are bringing in their own personal you know 100%. their own personalities when they come yeah, forward man. in those things like you know yeah. i feel like um 
feel like you can tell an awful lot sometimes about people's music tastes. Sometimes people just come out of nowhere. Isn't it and mad, isn't it? Like, yeah. What? No, what's yours? Like, you, like you, you come across, if I, if I can comment on a force, right? Mm-hmm. And you just tell me straight away if, if you're wrong. I can't form an opinion on you by how you dress or how you look. Mm. Although I do follow your Instagram, but I can't form that to know what genre of music you like. But I'm going to guess anyway. Go on. I'm going to guess you like a good bit of hip-hop. I do. I'm going to guess you like a little bit of like lo-fi kind of indie. Yeah, I do. I do. I, 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 I would mess with it a bit, yeah. And I'm going to guess you love a good bit of like dance he- techno kind of music. No. Right, wrong. Wrong. The last one, Gone. yeah. So two out of three. I, well, I, like the indie, I'm like... I'm actually only getting into that, you know, because I didn't really, I don't really, um, it's, that's not really my genre. My main kind of ones are like soul, jazz, blues. Completely wrong, wouldn't yeah. fuck you for that. Yeah, yeah. Soul, and now it makes sense because, of, yeah. it makes sense now because of how chilled out you are. Like the music can't say a lot about you. Um, the only reason I thought the techno trance, I thought that kind of would be maybe something like get the, the blood running going. Running, kind of yeah. I don't even listen to music anymore. No, like, and that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's amazing as well. Yeah, like, but, I just fucking... But that goes back to the whole needing that friend to go to town or needing that friend to go to gym absolutely man you don't need the music to run whereas mm. at one point you probably wouldn't have even dreamt of going out with your headphones do you know what I love is I'm so into the music then when I'm like in the car or something yeah or I'm like because making it's, coffee yeah I love oh that oh my god man when I get the opportunity then to listen to music mm. I listen to it like, yeah. you know, it's not it's not background noise this is stuff yeah. I live it like you know when, I'm, I do too, when, man. when I'm when I'm making my brew in the morning like trying a bit of Nat King Cole or trying a bit of Marvin Gaye mm. I'm just like like I could transport myself into anywhere I wanted to be or I could be right there in my kitchen but you at said that it, man. moment in time. the genre of music soul mm. like it's soul music like it Absolutely. came from families of people that were in deprived areas mm. coming from nothing civil rights movements and music gave, brought gave these to people together so exactly yeah. like you just said you know, that unifying. music has stories behind it it has people behind it has history behind it and i think that's why you feel energy from it because it came from a place from the heart and mm. it's just being fed into you then and jazz music's pure patient music i love jazz music man jazz music is like people who love techno and all that kind of stuff i don't think that they're going to get as much out of jazz music mm. right because jazz music is one of those i think techno is like less subtle you know it's not mm. a subtle genre it's a you know there's there's certain nuances that i'm actually not even going to get into because i don't really get it very much you wouldn't get the kick out of it the same way but jazz music has that kind of has that kind of thing where you're like you're listening for the notes between the notes it's a real slow down type Mm. of music it's a real take in that moment that sip of coffee the read of that page how does that page feel how does that paper feel in your hand when you're reading that book those things that kind of mindfulness I think jazz is like a is a is a is a perfect example of a music that blends. Would I that. be right in saying then, if I can take it out, because I know we're, we're not gonna you know just hone in on music, but mm. like techno can be quite repetitive. So it's mm. like a beat is is playing right. So yeah. it's, it's playing right, and the people are listening to that, and then out of nowhere, then this other beat comes in. It might be a snare, it might be a drum, it might be a different type of instrument comes in, right? And you're waiting for that. So there's a suspense. You're being mm. built up to this. Then yeah, jazz, you've got this 
you know, note into a note into a note. You don't know what's coming next, so it kind of grounds you. It kind of keep. Yeah. You're like waiting for it. It's sporadic. It's sporadic. It's, yeah, exactly. you know what I mean. It's uh, it's spontaneous. Mm. So like, but it, there's an underlining tone. But then you have people like you can really see like certain individual styles come in. But like they're like how what I really really like is how jazz jazz really. This is like turning into a music podcast. It's great. But I love music, man. Mm. I could I could talk about it all day. But how jazz penetrated into pop culture, like there's slowly uh, it got in, didn't it? It 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 was like, um, at that time it was like jazz for like proper New Orleans jazz mm. has had kind of died out at the time, and it was like, okay, we're gonna try and make jazz kind of like a part of this kind of soul and this kind culture. of pop music, right? And when they kind of put those two together, there's certain portions of songs that are like, there's like 15 second slots of songs that are just transported back to the real raw roots of the music. And that is, that's what I'm listening to a four minute song for. Do you know what I mean? Even mm -hmm. though I'm listening to the whole song, mm -hmm. it's that 15 seconds that kind of goes, you put down the cup for a second and you go, oh, this is it. And the horn is just going to come in and boom, boom. And you know, mm -hmm. and slowing the day down. That's what I like doing with that is like, I am a high-paced, energetic guy. Like, I'm always on the go and I'm always doing something or up to something. But when there's that time where I sit down and I have that time to myself mm. where I'm like, okay, I can actually just recalibrate Wind here. down, escape. Yeah. I can actually, I'll, draw, I'll throw on a song or I'll throw on two or three songs, clean up the kitchen a bit maybe or something. Mm -hmm. Something nice and just easy going. And that is just such a great tool. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's another thing that, like, you know, about um, what's your normal is... Is your normal that you never get that time to do that? That you never get that time to recharge the batteries? Why? You know what I mean? Yeah, you you, you, you need to assess you that. You never give yourself that opportunity. You know what I mean? You know, oh, why don't you do that? I don't have the time. Why don't you do this? I haven't got the time. Mm. Oh, how come you never went there? I never had the time. Yeah. No, you know, that I don't really. Some people genuinely don't have the time, but it's like priorities. You make time for what's important. Mm. So, like, changing that what's important changing that norm to suit something that could better you is more important than anything man i'll tell you no it's like it's true for me even like, like I'm, I'm not gonna hear preach then i'm standing on top of the tower here i'm better than all the peasants i'm saying i'm i know these certain things because i was i was the ultimate guy who did all of the things and still has that i was planning on touring ireland for i was planning on going doing a mountain climbing kind of endeavor like i'm doing now for two years like and always putting it off and always thinking ah no I'll do it here this and there and everywhere and do you know what happened it was a boom threw my stuff into the car and left and started it and there's a huge freedom when you finally put that thing that has been in your head for you know the thing I don't have time for when you give that the time it gives you so much more than what you actually think it's going to give and that's what's actually happened right now with mm -hmm. me like so like I know we started speaking about music there and, and like you probably you were saying like oh this had turned into a bit of a music podcast music is another tool and another avenue for people to express themselves for people to escape and so on mm. it's, like, it's a form of meditation in my opinion so when you think of that and all those other tools out there I'm interested to know when you're your, your plan was to do 32 counties 32 mm. marathons right so COVID and everything that happened there the logistically that can't really happen to the way you would have liked it to happen so that's mm -hmm. just knocked on the head for the moment yes but 32 hikes or 32 mountain climbs or whatever it may be that mm. that's still on the cards because the world is there to be used uh, more than ever now because 
this is the opportunity where people if they never had time they most likely have time now absolutely um but my question would be each night now you are setting up tent and you're going to bed and waking, waking up, up next, next morning, morning in this new location and it might be the same location or it might be you know somewhere completely random mm-hmm. i have camped many a times and i've camped before on sites i've camped in places that we shouldn't have camped me and a couple of friends uh two weeks before the leave insert um we camped in front of the hellfire club oh yeah yeah we planned to go to this place called um something creek i can't think of the name of it. something creek it's right up at the hellfire club yeah, yeah yeah and we missed it like we went to the wrong spot now we all got we we got the lewis up to the square went into deals yeah, like yeah spent yeah. about like 30 euro each in deals like bags and bags of stuff for one night of camping like ridiculous carry on and like we got like you know like do you know those Maltese bars the big ones yeah we, yeah we got like six of them each and all like it's where we were going away for a week um and then we got a taxi from there up to the hellfire club so we missed the spot we wanted to go to so we just you know what just pitched the tents and let's go and there was like eight of us and we pitched the tents but like say eight o'clock when the sun was going down this group of about 15 guys come up yeah just to come to the hellfire club and smoke some weed and listen to music and like just come in and like just basically shit on our parade and we're like uh, oh what are you doing lads and all that, that and like just put instant fear into us and total paranoia but we slept that night anyway well yeah, some yeah. of us i slept anyway the other lads went down and found a horse in a field and we're taking selfies with them and just chilling down that field drinking cans of druids <laughs> it was a mad old night day yeah, and night. Yeah, yeah, yeah and the next morning we got up and we left and went but like i was terrified that night Mm. you know i was like this is it this is my night i'm gonna die like this is yeah, it. Yeah, this, yeah, is, yeah. this is my last night on earth like and i started thinking mad stuff like me and my friend were in a tent and we we're having a conversation about aliens and god and all. we we're kind of like just trying to understand the world before we were probably gonna die like because we just genuinely thought these 15 lads were gonna just murder us when they left because yeah, we couldn't yeah, tell yeah. them to leave like this wasn't our place this yeah, was just yeah, a random yeah, yeah. Spot. you're in their spot like my whole question is yeah before i go off on a tangent because that was a mad i could tell you off, the, off camera about that that was a mad old trip like and i have mm. friends that like still talk about it. it's hilarious <laughs> What is it like each night when you're resting your head? Do you genuinely, honestly, rest your head at night in complete peace, not worrying about anything that could happen? Or is there a little part of you that's like, oh, this is a little bit ropey now? There's absolutely none. Right. Honest to God. Now, how? I'll tell you how, how this kind of came about, right? Was, do you know when you're in ultramarathons and you're in the depths of the pain cave and you're really just, you're fucking fucked, like, you know what I mean? You, like, your, your body thinks it's dying and you're still trying to run, you know, like, it's full-on breaking down. I remember, like, 180 miles into the 200-mile run, like, my mouth was like a battlefield, because I had eaten about 100 different meals in that two-and-a-half-day period, and my mouth was destroyed, my throat was starting to close, my joints and all of my muscles were aching and locking up. I, I actually felt like I was dying, you know? But what it made me do was thinking about reality, and think about what is happening now, what is happening now, what is the actual, you know... You, you can let your mind run away with itself now and think, Jesus Christ, I'm in the worst pain of my life and all this kind of stuff. Or you can think about exactly what's happening. It's like, yeah, look, you're, in 180, you're 180 miles into a 200-mile race. You're going to be fucked up. You're going to be sore. And by keeping that realistic dialogue going with me, it stopped my mind from running away with mm, itself and, mm, and, and making stuff huge. up that doesn't happen. Like, you know? So when I'm going into the forest, like the last four nights now, I've, um, I've pitched in the, the the dead of night it was like half 11 12 o'clock and it's been pitch black and i've been pitching my tent and i've been walking into the forest myself nobody else around there is nothing there is not a, a whisper of a person around the place 
uh, no light anywhere, nothing. And I've had to go in, find the camping spot, which is actually much tougher than you think when you're at night time. Trying to find somewhere flat and things like that to, to pitch. Yeah, tricky enough. Very tricky. And it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm delighted I did it. Because now when I pitch in the daytime, it's like I could literally be blindfolded and I could pitch my tent. And so I, I walk inside in there. And last night, oh man, I, I, I camped in Lara in um in Wicklow, which is actually it's part of the national park, and it's a it's actually really well set up for camping. Like there's flat flat areas for people to camp. Uh, you just have to walk into the forest, a nice bit, and you and you'll find them. And there was a donkey, man. I I swear to God, I've there's so many sheep around the place that like a bat out of nowhere isn't going to freak me out because there's just so many sheep everywhere. When but you go camping. Oz, like what's but going on? This man? guy now was going. <laughs> <laughs> like this not even a like like the the typical donkey noise is like this guy was having a, a mare like this guy was really having a bad night anyway whatever was happening and i was like i i heard him going and i was like oh. it was like the kind of that kind of noise like johnny was like psycho job and i was there and i was thinking to myself jesus christ what is that because i didn't know what it was first off and i was like i just listen out now see if i can hear this again and you're just going now and the next thing I heard was a, eh, 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 again, and I was like, ah, it's a donkey. Grand. That's fine. And then you just bring it into the real realism. You bring it back and it's like, it's a donkey off in the distance. He's probably seen a fox or something and spooked him. Something like that. That's what you bring it into your head to do that, right? But another thing that really messes with your head when you're, when you're walking at night is your head torch. Your head torch will glint off a tree or glint off a leaf or something in some kind of way. And you think there's a person there last night i thought that a tree was actually a woman in a white dress and i've actually it's kind of a running theme that i see women in white dresses it must be some sort of way that my brain is it like seeing santa claus in the tree and ants on your legs did you did you i read the article yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it's like that man it for people like that are listening just before you continue for people that are listening you run so long i saw so many hours 26 santa hours or something it was uh yeah come 58 hours oh crazy right double yeah. that so you you'd seen some things and your yeah. mind was playing tricks with you but no continue i, I just yeah. think like this is real like you're genuinely oh. out there in your own your senses are heightened to the max absolutely man like the you're because you're you're on your own right and i'm not uneasy out there but i'm like you know it's I can't your your normal senses aren't kicking in. Mm. So your fifty thousand year old caveman brain is on alert. Do you mm. know what I mean? It's like okay, we don't know this area. We don't know what could be here or whatever the case may be. But when I'm like walking around the place and my light hits things, I I actually have to remind myself all the time. That's just your head torch, man. It's just that's just a tree. Yeah, do you just relax. I mean? that's, that's a bunch of shiny leaves. That's not. Do you know what I mean? Whatever the case may be. And even when I'm setting up or whatever the case may be, the wind will blow a certain way, and you think that there's a footstep or something like that. And it's constantly giving you the opportunity to bring it back into reality and bring it back into real life. And that has applications in real life. Mm. If you're able to bring things back into reality, it has applications in real life. Let's say your boss fucking says something to you like really short, really snide or whatever the case may be. And you think, Jesus Christ, what the fuck? What am I after doing? Do you know what? I, like, am I, a, I, 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 oh, Jesus, am I going to lose my job? Like, is this guy fucking unhappy with the job that I'm doing? And, and your mind just goes into overdrive. It's like, maybe it was that email I forgot to send, or maybe it was the email I sent that he didn't like the way I worded it, blah, blah, you know? And it goes into your head. And then five hours later, your boss comes over at the end of the day and goes, Sorry for snapping at you there. Mm, here's a coffee. I was at a really bad call there mm. before I talked to you. And you're like, <gasps> Happens all the time. Happens. Not every to me day. in work, but it happens in, in life in general. Like, you know, when, when, 
you might pass somebody and they're in like the horrors and then you mm. immediately then go whoa must be me actually no you're the last person they're thinking about absolutely hence why they didn't give you any of your attention because they're just so annoyed about something else absolutely you've no choice but to go oh wow because you're trying to read people's minds by and we're not good at that we're not good at reading people's mm. minds right not accurately not accurately we can read we can try our best but mm. we can't but when you kind of when you can bring back the reality when you're out in the middle of a dark forest mm. if you can bring yourself back into the reality of this is Ireland the, 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 you know the, the biggest thing that is going to come across me here now is a fox and I'll be able to shoot him off anyway right if you bring it back to that reality when you come across your boss that's giving you a pissy comment or whatever the case may be like oh well look it's, you know, it's not a good time for him now at the moment anyway you know, nothing to do with me it's not a good time for me to be with him in the morning and he'll come over and he'll apologise to you or whatever the case may be majority of the time there is going to be times where you piss people off or whatever the case may be but like if you can actually bring these things back into reality man it's and you stop your m- mind crazy from crazy skill thing, it's one that Huge like take, it takes an awful lot of time to actually to garner it like you know what I mean to and to to realize you know that it, you can use it in every aspect of mm. life and that's why when I go to, when I go out like last night I actually had a bad night's sleep last night you can just sometimes you just you just can have a bad night's mm. sleep you it might be a certain way you pitched or whatever the case and be you can just have a bad night's sleep camping I've had some of the best night's sleep I've ever had in the last two and a half weeks going around the country on areas where you're just like you're going to camp there like it's been horrific land so where are you going tonight tonight i was actually going to check out um fairy hill so near enough to isn't that the Hell, hellfire club and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. is near fairy hill mm-hmm. isn't it it's near Dub i know Dub i know of like, fairy hill i've never yeah. been Um, the place i'm thinking of uh is is actually i got it completely wrong i know what it is now i said creek it's massey's wood massey's wood that's where we tried to camp and okay. it's known as a good place to camp but we being different and young lads and being like, oh, uh, being adventurous. Yeah. Like, I remember coming home and telling my mum and dad and they're like, you literally could have died. And I'm like, ah, grand. And I only thought about it. I was like, because there's a mad story to it. I'll tell you just really quickly in a couple of mm. minutes. Basically, we camped outside the Hellfire Club. Those 15 guys arrived and they left. Mm-hmm. They went off. Like, you know, um, they chatted a bit of shit. We were chatting with them. We were at the fire and that was the end of it. I had one friend with me, Adam. He'd be listening to this and he'd probably be laughing his head off now. But at the time, nobody was laughing. He brought this torch with him. It was like a flick baton torch. So it was like one that the guards used. Now, this thing was like an AKG dumbbell. Like it was heavy for a torch. Like Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you could beat somebody with it. Like. You could, you, like, and you need to be strong enough to like be able to it's lift it over your head. It, like, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So he brought this thing, not as a weapon. He brought it as a really big, cool torch to go mm. in and just, you know, check out See the hell of So one of my friends, I think it was... Um, Dean or Adam had contacted another friend of ours mutually now I, I know the guy really well and, and he, he's a good friend of mine but at the time I wouldn't have known him as well as them and they had said to him oh here we're heading to Hellfire Club on Friday do you want to float up like and he was like uh, no I can't you know I'll leave it enjoy so that was cool so he's like when he's gone we're like half seven he's like oh, honestly I can't enjoy so that was the end of that so all those lads left the 15 guys or whatever you know how many of them there was they all left and it's even thinking about it, it's giving me goosebumps, but like obviously we know the outcome. We got we got rockets shot at us, like fireworks shot at us, right? And someone put like a Roman candle in the Hellfire Club and it was just shooting like a hundred and fifty shot Roman candle. So we're like freaked. Those lads went down the hill, had fireworks stashed and come back up. So what really freaked us was there was like a rocket being and all my friends that were there that night will be listening to this and they'll remember it as clear as I do. 
there was like a rocket being shot from a tree over there and one over there. Not too far away from each other, but two from two random places. It's pitch dark. You can just see these really high trees and this like starry sky, like so detailed sky. And you're just seeing rockets being shot at us. No, they're got, they're not getting anywhere near us. Like yeah, nowhere yeah, yeah. near us. But like you're just freaking. Where is the next rocket coming from? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we shit. all went back to the to the two tents we had, two four man tents, and we were like, your man gets the, the light. Adam's like, oh, I have this torch, you know, like uh, I smack anyone over the head. This like they're dead. Like and we're like, oh, like you know, we're all like trying to get a hold of the torch. He's like, this is my torch. I'm keeping this. So we're all looking for like sticks and weapons and bricks and everything. <laughs> so there's no more fireworks for like 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. So then I decided, because I don't drink and my, la- my friends were have to having a couple of drinks. So I was like, I'm going to play this game smart here and I'm going to go into the high grass away from where they are and I'm going to watch them as they head back over to shoot rockets at us. Yes. Right? So I'd done that and two lads came with me. And I see two shadows coming across the grass together and yeah, I can yeah. see like one of them's trying to light a lighter. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it's just not working. So they continued on. So we were like, there they are, there they are. So my mate Adam, with the torch, decides to just sprint in a pair of shorts and a top on. Because it was a gorgeous day that day. And he's running. And you can see Adam's shadow. And you can see them running. And he's just gone. We just can't see him anymore. And we just hear, ah. And we're like, what the hell? It's pitch dark. So we're all looking at lights on our phone, like torch on the phone. He fell in a ditch with nettles and shorts, ripped the legs off. Honestly, the nettles and all these thorns, I mean, ripped the legs off. Ah, screaming. So those two shadows are still running, so we're running after them. We get up to them, long story short, it was Mark and Anto, two lads that were asked. One of them was asked that night, and he said he couldn't make it. He got your man Anto's Maz car and drove up to the Hellfire Club with a boot full of fireworks. Uh, thought it'd be funny to prank us and fire rockets at us <laughs> fine so they came over and we were like oh my god we're all going mad like one of my friends took it really serious he was like I don't find this one bit funny Yeah. You know, all the rest of us were kind of like oh you are all crazy like thank thank yeah, god thank, it's you thank we thought it was those other 15 lads and then my my other mate was like no this is not one bit funny like you mm. really why did you do that like and he's losing the head a few drinks on him and then they just left we were like stay with us now and he's like no I have to go so they just left so that's, that made it worse <laughs> like that just made it so much worse you just came up to piss us off yeah so I remember like, I never told my mum and dad that now but I remember going home and being like oh it was great no no but yeah no cool no. they were like no why did you why did you like pitch a tent there like that's the silliest thing you could have done there's people that like supposedly worship the devil there and stuff like that and there is some weirdos out there that would use the Hellfire Club as a place to like maybe go and meditate and do that stuff and try contact spirits and stuff yeah I mean like, mm. and we're right in front of them like free bait so <laughs> uh, scary old situation so we don't have a couple of 17 year old lads on the fire there come here and I tell you man you're, you're 28 we were 18 yeah some yeah. of us were only 16 17 gone leaving certain two weeks and we thought it was a good idea to go camping and that was actually decided like on that Monday yeah, like, yeah we yeah. went out and bought the tents as you can tell we had nothing we just went to deals bought loads of crap um, like there was these like emoji smiley face like pillows and we used them as pillows like because we didn't bring stuff with us like we literally just brought the tents and empty bags school bags like and then just filled them with all the stuff and deals <laughs> but like you're doing this on your own that's why i'm trying to put this into perspective for people mm. we done that when there was like eight of us eight young lads like that were like you know in our eyes we thought we were like unstoppable like no one was going to come yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah for do sure. anything to us camping like no if three maybe be like you have like, a bit more knowledge about the world yeah. Yeah, not even yeah, not like uh, 10 you years kind of, old or whatever you, yeah yeah you, older. but you just you just think like back then like no one's going to be able to do it and like if a fight kicks off like you're going to win you tackle eight lads on your own like that there's just no way that would ever yeah, happen yeah, yeah. but like you're doing this on your own and i'm not trying to make it out like there's people out there that are literally going around the woods murdering people but what i'm trying to say is 
Does that ever creep into my head? Yeah. <laughs> no, man. It doesn't. That's good. It doesn't creep into my head because, like, I actually had a thought. I had a discussion about this on my Instagram uh, today about. I love about, your Instagram. About, about, yeah, yeah. I love about, your Instagram. Man. About female participation in camping, you know, and one of the one of the girls said. Um, Larry Murphy ruined the Wicklow Mountains for me. <laughs> it's just like the ultimate story of one person ruining it for everyone. Yeah, I know, but like the story oh, of Larry, and I'm just like, boys, like Larry Murphy is a one, one in a million, million, billion character. Billion guys. Do you like, know what I mean? Come on, like and you're, that, you're watching like, too much TV, you're watching too much CSI or like that, I laid, you think that's going to happen. Some, I laid down some facts, right, that I actually checked on the, on the central statistics office today i'm gonna I'm, there's gonna be some citation needed on certain aspects but the majority of it is is, is this right women are 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 sent the messages that you're to be hyper vigilant about danger especially from males um at night time mm. in the cities countryside wherever doesn't matter and Understood that to an extent, but then not to be un- paranoid. Understood to an extent, but I feel like it's taken a new form. Mm. Where it's taken a form where... I think uh, this is a, a wider discussion, but I think there's some sort of a, a battle of the sexes going on at the moment. You know, between mm. men and women, mm. right? Whereas there is. There men, is. Men there's a war going on be, out yeah, there. Men and women should be friends, and there should be, there should be unity within the human race, within mm. the two genders, but mm. there just isn't. Mm. And, and it's been fought on loads of different fields. But what I what I what I will say to women that are listening to this podcast is, your eighty percent of homicides, eighty percent of homicide victims are male. There is a disproportionate amount of males are victims of violent assaults. I think in Ireland it's actually a a, a bit more mixed, but it's like sixty percent are males, and. Yes, there is a higher proportion of, and this is where I need to do more digging because I need to find these these figures out. There is a far higher proportion of sexual assaults and and sexual harassment cases for women than there are men. That's that seems that's a fair. fact there by the that's a, it. Yeah, that's mm. a fact. That's not debatable, and that isn't debatable. That is like in terms of the actual statistics report. The numbers speak for themselves. They speak for themselves. What I want to know is, we can't just have that fact. We need to know more about these incidents. Were these um, somebody touched somebody inappropriately in the office? Or somebody goes back with somebody after a night of drinking, plaster drunk, drunk, wakes up, doesn't know what's after happening, and someone's sexually assaulted them. And they can feel it. You know, they can feel Mm. that, 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 Mm. you know, something is not right. And these kind of cases, how many are actually someone being dragged off the street and raped down an alley or or knifed Mm. down the alley? Probably very small number mm. uh, uh, and I don't know I'm just saying because I just if you look at the news you might find more predators in the nightclubs and in these places like the pubs and nightclubs and walking around town at night picking up vulnerable girls that are plastic drunk than somebody that's like decided to take a late night walk on a beach yeah do you know like, what I mean the thing is as they're coming out of the dunes so some guy waiting for them like the chances of that is is a lot sli- slimmer I think I think it's a lot slimmer than what it's presented to women mm. and it's unfair because it, it, what it does is it creates this it's a scary area though isn't it it creates this element of fear man that like you're just like that. this is ingrained you know this is ingrained and you don't know how to you don't know how to um, to operate mm. almost outside you're just channeled to think of the war situation anyway like Absolutely. everyone naturally thinks of the war situation but it's wrong like it's it's like people will say oh of course he doesn't there's you know, no way in a million no years Connor, there's no way in a million years you're going to do a 200 mile marathon if you went and just decided to go 
I could break my ankle at that. Or my knees won't hold out. Mm. Or, you know what? There's no way I'm going to be able to manage. My shins are just going to collapse. Yeah. You would never do it. So, like, it's like you going and pitching that tent. Like, you could drive up now and say, do you know what? I'm going to turn back. I'm just going to head back to Cork. Mm. This isn't for me. Because something could potentially... I feel like tonight could be the night. That night could be the night you could meet somebody and it could be, like, a connection you'd make with somebody a friend and they're camping too and it could be Absolutely like the start not. of a completely new journey that you've like deprived yourself because you've decided to turn back and go down the motorway because yeah. you're shit scared no I'm not for one second saying that women should drive up at half 11 12 o'clock and no I know you're not saying that and go solo camping and the thing but what I would say is that from the discussions that I've had with, with women today because look I don't want to, to the say integration this is this is a man's point of view on this female matter because it's just not my place to do that I wanted to ask women what they were feeling about this and how how they felt about the ideas of camping and uh, uh, the ideas of, of getting out into the wilderness and the majority the, the running theme was if you had a good experience with the outdoors as a young child if you had if you had parents that took you hiking or you were in the scouts or the girl scouts or, or mm. the what, what clubs are, and all the uh, other different ones adventures ladybugs or whatever those things are called um, those, you, um you know what I'm talking about anyway. Yeah, the guides. guides I'm with guides, you, man. I'm with guides, you, man. Right? I was in the scouts. Yeah, yeah. I, like, it's it's a fantastic resource. Those girls and ladies that went through that and went through that system or they had parents that liked to take them out camping and hiking, do it as adults. It transfers into mm. adulthood. Girls that hadn't that, hadn't that experience Shit's or hadn't scared. that things, completely... Entering the there's unknown. dangers, there's discomfort because they don't know about you know going to the bathroom or sleeping outside or um there's just not having mm. the know-how Touching the knowledge foreign, how to do this. foreign hobby here like oh i yeah. don't want to do that yeah do you know it's like mad as them like probably thinking of going deep sea diving mm. you know that's it's, something it's, they'd it's never about, even imagined doing it's about becoming familiar with it and that's where like i've got two small nieces one seven and one's five mm. the seven-year-old windy as fuck doesn't do a thing doesn't do it hates heights and all this kind of stuff but the five-year-old is fearless right but i feel like the five-year-old amelia has not had the has not had the same restrictions because she's the second child the first child's wrapped up you know it's like oh my god and you know my first child so true wrapped up and then amelia is kind of like oh well look the other one didn't break <laughs> you know mm. the other one didn't break this one won't break we leave her off do her own thing mm. and she's she, a part she will, of that she will shadow and just follow the footsteps of the work we've put into the first job absolutely and and, and or it's the other one sad that the other one gets the times yeah. and you know what she's still alive and kicking it's grand she can fall over it's fine mm. and you kind of let yeah, and you 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 let go a bit more mm. so Amelia is a product of that where she will take on anything like she was she was first to start swimming between the two of them. The other one is after starting swimming now and it's unreal to see her go from this super, you know, problems person, afraid of things, you know, making things in her head that are going to be, to releasing that. And that's what I really came to, what, what, what this whole trip has kind of culminated in was. When I first started, it was just like, oh, I can't go to Lisbon. I plan to go to Lisbon to fly out to Lisbon. Can't go to Lisbon. I'm going to travel around there. I've, I've been talking about this for two years. I'm going to do it. I'm going to work with what I have. going to work with what I have. So I packed up the stuff one day, I headed out and started camping and started hiking, started hiking up. The, I, I wanted to hike. I've got three out of the four of the tallest mountains in Ireland done now, and uh, of, of each, sorry, of each province. Mm -hmm. And Lugnaquilla is one that I'll be doing this weekend. And what I, what I 
started out was, oh, I'm going to camp and I'm going to tick all these boxes and I'm going to do all of these things along the way and all that. And it was just kind of like an, an itinerary type of thing. Even though I didn't really have a plan, I had a kind of a, an itinerary in my head and it completely turned into something completely different. And it was, it was like I was connecting with where we're from. And I'm connect not not only as an Irish person, but as a human being, where we're from in terms of living on the ground and living super simply. Like, you know, no heating, no overcomplicating things, no things in ourselves, over in our heads. Things. So when, simple. When I started living that simple life, cooking up my food, you know, uh, pouring in my water, cooking up my food outside my tent and, you know, looking after myself in that way and, you know, pitching my tent in the middle of the night and going off and finding these places to camp and doing all of these things. I'm just like, yeah, I'm super capable. You know, I'm a, ca- I'm a capable human being. I'm a capable man. And it just reinforces things in my head. And when I started to connect to things like that, I was like, I need to share this with people, you know? I need to share what I'm going through with Every people. day I wake up, you're like, I'm going to put you in the same category of like Dan Sweeney, the happy pair, um, you know, Glenn Murray and Dara O'Carroll. So the happy pair, obviously, everyone knows they get up every morning religiously and they do their swim. Mm. They've got that swim community. rise. Swim rise, exactly. Mm-hmm. They've created that culture now in that community and it's amazing. People all over the world are doing it, but they're documenting it and everyone wakes up in the morning. No matter how bad you're feeling, you're going to bound to see the lads going in for a dip. Uh, Dan Sweeney's a creator. Every day he wakes up, you don't know what he's going to create next. You don't mm-hmm. know what he's going to do. And and obviously, he's from your native hometown, Cork. So I'd, I'd reference him in the same category. Dara O'Carroll and Glenn Murray are two guys I had on that were living on a pirate ship. I had them on the podcast, uh, one of the most recent episodes. Um, they're now riding from Limerick up to Dublin horseback, trying to raise money for the homelessness. They, like, you know, cook and eat off a stone. They went crab, uh, spider crab fishing, and then they ate the crab. Like, they're, they're really like you mm. with the whole eating the noodles and, you know, you're going to have, like, peanut butter on bread like just simple mm. you know simple simple things but so effective and, and being excited and so about them, for them so excited oh, about Jesus, them man i'm so excited about i'm excited about getting my chicken noodles and my uh peanut man, butter I on think bread that's amazing man it's and a hot drink and appreciating the hot drink at night before you go to bed but what i want to say to you is every morning when i wake up i've got like sometimes i've got like 20 stories that i need to catch up on but that's great because it's a movie like, if I was to follow every single story you put up and you put one up every 20 minutes, I'd be waiting 20 minutes for your next one. Mm. But I'm not because I let it build up and then I just go, where was he today? What was he doing today? And I usually tune in in the morning when I'm having my coffee or whatever before I start work. And I'm with you on the whole journey. And, like, it's not too long because it's, like, it's eight seconds, next story, 10 seconds, 20 seconds. Mm. Then it's, like, it's never a minute per story. Like, it wouldn't be... All your stories in a day would never add up to longer than five minutes. Mm. They're usually just gone out of the way. And you're taking us on your journey with you. And, and it's amazing to see that you were once a guy that was very relatable to most people in the same situation, you know, and then just flipped it all upside down and said, you know, what, I'm going to try a different route because that's brave. And it takes a lot of um, takes a lot of guts to be able to go out and, and camp on your own and do all these things. Like I said, it, a lot of people can't even sit in their own bedroom on their own. Mm. A lot of people have to sit in their own bedroom on their own. There's so many people out there that would never even dream about climbing a mountain never mind that night after it sleeping in a tent yeah. so i have to say hats off to you and i'm trying to use this podcast for people to kind of look at you the same way they might look at the happy pair and like they've all, all of a sudden start making overnight oats because those guys do and they've all of a sudden start going see swim well all of a sudden why don't you start going and picking that mountain and picking that place in the country and climb yeah, yeah, yeah or for go sure. for that hike or go for mm. that walk or you know what i'm not going to fly to paris this year or amsterdam or 
Germany. Yeah. I'm going to see six counties in Ireland before Absolutely. I go on the plane next. Why fucking not? Do you know what I mean, man? It's what I've learned about Ireland by is that she is so beautiful. She's so imperfect, but and very patient. And what I've what I've kind of realized throughout this whole thing is that I didn't even know my own country. Crazy, isn't it? Until I actually got into this level. And that's when I, I thought I would have thought I was very well travelled. You know what I mean? In Thailand, Vietnam, India, Not at China, China, been to you know loads of places in nowhere Europe, near you'd like to be. Canada, US, all of those places. I feel like I yeah I went to the cities, saw the tourist stuff, all this kind of stuff. I need to get back to those places and I need to like actually see the land, soak the, up the culture. Exactly, man. You know what I mean? And just the, when you when you get to that level with uh, with with Ireland, it was like. I think that was another aspect of the reason why I'm so calm at night mm. and why I'm so relaxed in a situation. You're where grounded. Other people. You're present. Yeah. You know, you're feeling, mm. you're living in the moment. I can see that by you and I, I get that energy off you. But, you know, like someone put like a really funny uh, question on your Instagram the other day and they were like, are you single? And you were like, no, unfortunately, I'm in a relationship with Mother Nature, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And what was the word you used? She's a... She's a demanding mistress. She's a demanding mistress. Like, that's amazing. Like, in love with Mother Nature, we all should be cheating on our partner our boyfriend our girlfriend absolutely. with a bit of mother nature do you know what yeah, I mean we should absolutely. all be having a bit bit of, bit of mother nature on the side <laughs> or yeah. let them into the relationship as absolutely, well absolutely you know yeah mean? bring them all in <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> I'm going to wrap it up here um, but Connor with COVID that's all we can do man it's been an absolute pleasure to have you yeah. on coffee and a little bit of conversation Thank you.